This is Corolla Digital. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. For a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day trial, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Larry Miller. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who likes the best food money can buy. Hi, folks. Welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And again, that music makes me happy. I say that every time and every week, not because I'm looking for something to say, but because it's true, and it's wonderful to know that. It's wonderful to wake up in the morning and look out the window and say, Wow, it's another beautiful day to be alive. Thank you for bringing me back. It's beautiful to do all sorts of things in life, and it's great for me to say, because it's true, boy, that music keeps getting better and better. And, of course, it's the Brian Whitney Orchestra and the Addy Grilly Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brian Garverick, asking the musical question, Who is Tom Mix? And why do we care if he is on the mountain or not? Well, that's as direct a question as as I've ever seen. And I thought so. Colonel Jeff thought so. And now Dr. Chris thinks so. And he's not eating seaweed right now. He's eating potato chips. He's come back to what you and I would think is decent food. Because... That that seaweed was so bad, it, it it doesn't demand it, but it asks for one more reaction of, whew, boy, yikes. In any case, uh, who is Tom Mix, asks Brian Garverick, and why do we care if he's on the mountain or not? Well, first of all, as... You may know, as you may remember, if you listened to the show before, and if this is your first time, you'll hear it today. I love saying when we talk about our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com, it always sounds to me like LarryMillerPodcast.com, and which, as you know, the second line of that, well, what is the first line of, of that? Shaving of hair, yeah, shaving a haircut, two bits, who's on the mountain, Tom Mix. Now, it needs to be said, it's fun to say, it's fun to describe. Wow, first of all, shaving a haircut, two bits, that's a while ago. That's that's the Old West, that's like 1870. So a shave and a haircut for two bits, two bits was, and still is, 25 cents. I don't know where the word bits came from, but someone out there does, so please write to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? But, I mean, so that became that song, Shaving a Haircut, Two Bits. Where did the song come from? I don't know. And then the second line, Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? So if the Shaving a Haircut and the Two Bits was roughly between 1870 and 1900, 
Well, that sort of leads and slides into and ramps up to Tom Mix, who was a great Western movie star in the silent movie era. And he and fellas like William S. Hart, right, were great silent movie stars and played cowboys and played heroes and tough guys. And so Tom Mix, and it was great, and Tom Mix was at Wyatt Earp's funeral. All the Western guys were in those days, because also that Wyatt Earp passed away in 1929 and was already living here in Southern California and hanging out at the place where the Colonel, the Doctor, and I had our cocktails before our big fancy fried chicken dinner. And that place was Musso and Frank. They don't advertise with us. I'm happy to say that, though. If you ever feel fancy and you come to Southern California and you come to, well, the Hollywood Boulevard area, you might just want to put on a suit and a tie and you might want to sit down at a place where you can not only feel, well, it's been around for a while. Heck, that place has been around since, I think, 1918, something like that. It's pretty old. And that's where Wyatt Earp used to drink. And that's pretty neat to me. Uh, You know, I, I, I don't care... Well, I don't care what you think about that. I don't care if you think, well, that's no good. I don't care what well, the colonel and the doctor just looked at each other through the glass. What, did I insult someone there? No, you know what? I'm glad. I would like to think, how do you like that? I'm sitting right where Wyatt Earp said, hey, uh, you call this a double? <laughs> In any case, though, so shaving a haircut, two bits. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Now, was that just a silly song, a fun song that young adults or old adults or kids used to say to each other, you know, and uh, shaving a haircut, two bits, who's on the mountain, Tom Mix. So that's how it came up. So that's, first of all, to answer Brian Garverick's question when he said, who is Tom Mix and why do we care if he is on the mountain or not? Well, we do. I do. And Tom Mix was one of the great early American movie stars, and he was cool enough to be a great Western movie star in the silent era, and, well, cool enough to be at Wyatt Earp's funeral. And I think that's pretty neat right there. And why do we care if he's on the mountain or not? Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? I don't even know where that reference comes from, but because I think enough of sayings and little songs like that that come down through the ages. I care enough that I say it here on my show, this show, our show. And so I'm still going to say it today when I talk about the web, the website, and that's who Tom Mix is. And why do we care if he's on the mountain or not? Why do we care, Brian? I care. And you know what? I don't know exactly what it means. I don't even know generally what it means. But it means enough to me. And that's why. That's who he is, and that's why we care. And by Audible.com. That's right, Audible. This is a new sponsor for us here, Audible.com. Now, this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. That's right, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, 
and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners here, Audible is offering a free audiobook. I love that word free. No matter what the ad is, that makes me sit up and I'm reading the thing. It's in front of me and I still sit up more. And I'll bet you do too. Audio Audible Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. You can download your choices and access them on your PC, burn them onto CDs, or upload them to iPods or other MP3 devices. It's quick, easy, fun, and affordable entertainment for people of all ages. And one audiobook to consider is, and they asked me to recommend one here, one audiobook of theirs that I would like you to consider is... Can we have a drum roll, please? The answer is mine. That's right, mine. I wrote a book called Spoiled Rotten America, which is a good comedy book. It's a series of essays, and it has, well, I, I think it's a terrific book. Is, it, is that just coincidence because I wrote it? Probably not. But you know what? It's called Spoiled Rotten America, and it did really well. And the reason it's out on audiobooks, by the way, is because it won the award that year, two, three years ago, for Best Audio Comedy Recording. I ought to know what the full title of that is. I, I, I won it. And but, but guess who's reading it? Me. So it's a pretty good deal, and you can get it for free. So one audiobook to consider is mine, Spoiled Rotten America, and or anything else, of course, you really like, but make it mine. And anything you like that w that is on Audible. So what you do is, for a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Larry Miller. That's audiblepodcast, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, podcast.com forward slash Larry Miller. And see if you're in a good mood to laugh with my book, Spoiled Rotten America. In any case, welcome to Audible here on our show. We're awfully glad you're here. And believe me, I think you'll be glad you did. Wait till you see how many hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and millions of new customers you get because I'm reading your ad, and I enjoyed reading it. And wait till you see how many people... Order Spoiled Rotten America. Yeah. I hope you got a lot of copies of that. So, and by Amazon. That's right, Amazon.com. Amazon.com. It's always a pleasure to talk about Amazon because you can go on your computer or your laptop, on your phone, on any screen you have, and you just punch in Amazon.com and go right to a group that can give you anything in the world you want, right? Wrong! It's wrong. It's wrong every time I say that. You've got to know it's wrong. Never, ever just go to Amazon.com like that. You don't. You don't do it. What you do is go to our website. That's right. LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. You go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, and we have a banner on there that says Amazon on it. That's right. The banner that says Amazon. You click our banner that says Amazon, and we 
I know, I know, you want to say thank you, but I'll just say in advance, we will take you to Amazon.com. And once you're there, once we've taken you there, wow, that was a little close. They were almost going there themselves. Well, you know what? You don't do that. You go to our our website, and we'll take you. Hit the hit our banner that says Amazon, and we'll take you to Amazon. From there, you get everything you want, anything you want, anything you can think of, anything you can imagine in the world. Amazon can give you. And now everyone is really happy. Know why? Because you get everything you want. Amazon gives you everything you want, and because you ordered it from our podcast, from our LarryMillerPodcast dot com website. Because you did that, we get some of the dough. That's right. Amazon sends us a percentage of whatever you bought. And we're happy, too. That makes us happy, too. I'm glad you have your stuff. But let's be honest, getting getting some, some of the money for it is not bad either. So we're going to do that. We take some of that dough, and we put that to our next fancy cocktail and fried chicken dinner. And so thank you, Amazon. And by... PayPal. That's right. PayPal, which is becoming more and more fun to say, by the way. When I started saying that, it was just okay. Now I love saying PayPal. That's right. You go to our PayPal, which is also on our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. You go to our website and you go to PayPal. And what we love saying is send us enough money for Colonel Jeff, Dr. Chris, and me to get a drink. Go to your favorite bar or a bar you've never been to and always wanted to go and say, how much is a drink here? And then send us the money for three drinks, and we will take that money and buy three drinks. And we'll tell you how they are. I can probably tell you already, before we even do that, I can tell you how the drinks are. You know what? They were terrific. Now, you haven't even sent the money yet. We haven't even bought the drinks yet. We haven't even had the drinks yet. But I'm telling you in advance, they were really good. And now it's time for something that's fun to do. It's a plug for myself, for me, on Saturday night, October 26th, which is very soon in Middletown, New York, at 8 p.m. in Middletown, New York, at the historic Paramount Theater. That's where I'll be. That's right. And I'll be doing uh, my one-man theater show. And uh, it's it's just, I love doing it. And I'm, I'm glad you're going to be there. If you're in the area, come on down to Middletown, New York, to the historic Paramount Theater on Saturday night, October 26th at 8 p.m. And you know what? We'll, we'll all have a good time there. I'll be glad. I love working on the road. I love working in a theater I've never been in with an audience I've never seen. So be there for that. If you get there, make sure you say hello. The, their phone number is 845-346-4195. And their website is www.middletownparamount.com. Wow, that's a pretty good name. MiddletownParamount.com. I don't have to spell that for you, do I? And by the way, even if I do, come to the show anyway. Spelling is not a requirement. I hope I see you there. I'll be there. And that takes us to maybe my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. That's right, the joke of the week. The weekly joke 
the once-a-week joke, the joke of the week, where I get a chance to look for a joke that I like and maybe love, and I get a chance to say, or the colonel or the doctor has a chance to say, hey, I just heard a joke, or I just remembered a joke. Maybe you want to do this one this week. It's great fun, and doing it for you is great fun because you can then pass it on to your friends. Joke-telling is terrific fun, and it's different in many, many ways from stand-up comedy. I love stand-up very much, but telling a joke is pretty good. And this is a, a classic one. I think this one's been around, well, at least 40 or 50 years. I think this one has been around a long time, and here it is. A young couple has their first kid, and he's fine and everything's healthy, but... It's The world is crazy sometimes. Life is crazy sometimes. The whole kid is just a head. There's just a head. There's no body on the kid. It's just his head. And, well, that's a little shocking, but they, they deal with it just fine. Well, their son is born, and it's just a head. The son is just a head. He has a head, but there's nothing else. Okay. Well, they live. They deal with everything they have to deal with, and they all love each other. Ten years later, because the father is always still thinking, maybe one day something can happen and we can make this better. Sure enough, don't you know, ten years later, he runs into a situation where there's someone who is getting rid of, can you believe this? They have just a body. There's no head. Their child had just a body, but no head. And the body is ten years old, too. And they were just about to destroy the body. They said, we can't take it anymore. There's nothing happening here. It's just a body without a head. This guy, the father, hears about this and says, don't do it. I'll take it. Let me buy that body from you. I'll take that body and I'll bring it back to our house. And they're thrilled. And, okay, sure. If, if, if you want, fine. He does that. He gets that body. It's in great shape. They're going to attach it. He drives home. He sees his wife first. It's about dinner time. He says to his wife, he tells her what he's got. She's thrilled. They go up to their son's room and just the head is on the bed and he's reading something and they go up to the son's room and they smile and the child looks at them and they say, well, we have a special present for you. I know it's not your birthday, but this is going to be a very special present for someone we love very much. And here it comes. And the child looks back at them and says, Hey, I just hope it's not another hat. <laughs> now that's that's a pretty good joke. I like that joke. It's it's very nice and silly in a way you really don't expect. Oh, you mean so that's all he ever got? Yeah, that's probably all he ever got. Ten years and you're just ahead. Well, you know, every so often, maybe someone with a bleak or dark sense of humor would get you a clothespin to put on your nose if something was really smelly. But really, apart from that, it's all going to be hats. And every so often, maybe the barber would give you a kind of a jazzy haircut. And that would be a little something you could have. Hey, look at that. We got you a nice haircut today. And every so often. But mostly it's going to be hats until this day when... It was going to be a body, and of course, all he could think of was, I just hope it's not another hat. But that brings us to another favorite portion 
of the program that I love very much. It's our Poetry Corner. Yes, the Poetry Corner, the corner of poetry, where we discuss ways to say things in English that are just so much better. Poetry, even though you don't read it and I don't read it much, you don't do anything but to understand how special it can be in describing parts of life. And this week, it's from a very famous, well-known writer who was born in 1916 in Wales, and he died in 1990, and he did many things involving movies and television and, well, and books and, and, and that he wrote. And he was also, though, a poet. And his name is Roald Dahl. The last name is D-A-H-L, and the first name is Roald, which is R-O-A-L-D. And he wrote, for instance, he wrote uh, we, Willy Wonka, and that was the original one with Gene Wilder which I thought was a great movie. I still think it's a wonderful movie, a fun movie. And this guy was a good writer, and he wrote something now that Colonel Jeff and I just looked at before, and I thought, you know, you're right. This is a terrific idea. Let me read this on the air. So here we are by Roald Dahl, and it's called The Pig. In England once, there lived a big and wonderfully clever pig. To everybody, it was just plain that Piggy had a massive brain. He worked out sums inside his head. There was no book he hadn't read. He knew what made an airplane fly. He knew how engines worked and why. He knew all this. But in the end, one question drove him round the bend. He simply couldn't puzzle out what life was really all about. What was the reason for his birth? Why was he placed upon this earth? His giant brain went round and round. Alas, no answer could be found, till suddenly one wondrous night, all in a flash, he saw the light. He jumped up like a ballet dancer and yelled, By gum, I've got the answer. They want my bacon, slice by slice, to sell at a tremendous price. They want my tender, juicy chops to put in all the butcher's shops. They want my pork to make a roast, and that's the part'll cost the most. They want my sausages in strings. They even want my chitterlings. The butcher's shop, the carving knife, that is the reason for my life. Such thoughts as these are not designed to give a pig great peace of mind. Next morning in comes Farmer Bland, a pail of pig swill in his hand, and Piggy, with a mighty roar, bashes the farmer to the floor. Now comes the rather grisly bit, so let's not make too much of it, except that you must understand that Piggy did eat Farmer Bland. He ate him up from head to toe, chewing the pieces nice and slow. It took an hour to reach the feet, because there was so much to eat, and when he finished, Pig, of course, felt absolutely no remorse. Slowly he scratched his brainy head, and with a little smile he said, "'I had a fairly powerful hunch.' 
that he might have me for his lunch, and so, because I feared the worst, I thought I'd better eat him first. And you know what? I think that makes pretty good sense. So there we are, The Pig by Roald Dahl. And I think he did a good job. And I hope you think I did a good job reading it to you as well. And this leads us into another favorite portion of the program for me, the magic movie moment. That's right, the moment in a movie that you've seen 10 or 20 or 50 times, or maybe you've just seen it for the first time, but it's probably something you've seen before, and this magic movie moment makes you feel good. There's something about it that just touches you every time you see it. It may go throughout the whole movie, or it may be something just at the end, or it may be both of those, and in this case, it's both of these. And it's a magic movie moment for me from King Kong in 1933. There have been two other King Kongs made, and I'm sure you know them. One was uh, starring Jessica Lange in, what was that, 1975, 77, something like that? 1976? Oh, all right. Colonel Jeff was just holding his fingers up there, just trying to, you know, you could could have written it on the screen. There's a whole screen there. No, he's holding his fingers up. It's like doing a podcast in the 15th century. So that was the that was the Jessica Lange King Kong. And then there was one with Jack Black in 2006, 2005. Were you waving to me or just holding up five fingers? At any rate, now that's fine. Those are dandy and, and they're good movies. But I'll tell you what, I still think and have never stopped thinking there is so much magic. There is so much great storytelling in the first King Kong from 1933. Now, this is starring Bruce Cabot and the great Faye Ray as Anne, the heroine of the movie. And, you know, everything works in that movie to me, even though it was just stop action animatronics, what would you call that there, animation there, with King Kong fighting the dinosaurs and, and to the death, they'd, he'd bite them up, he'd throw them away, he'd knock them over the cliff. But you know what? That all worked for me. It really worked well. And I love seeing that movie. And I got to know more about that character, about King Kong, about who that character was, what he was like from that King Kong. I didn't need him to be any more real than that. Every time, I don't know about you, but when I see movies now that are over-computered, over-graphicked, over-everything, I, I, I sometimes get a little annoyed or bored with it. I want to say, stop already. You don't have to have all that. We've talked in the past about movies like Troy that have great actors in them and really well-made, but you know what? It's so heavy on the computer graphics that whenever they show the two armies heading toward each other in battle and about to start whacking each other up, you realize, you know, in a second, they're not real actors. That's just computer drawings. And it really takes a lot away from it for me. And this movie was so real. The way they did it in, in a kind of a limited fashion, and yet it was perfect for me. And the part that became the magic movie moment for me is there's a way right from the very beginning, even though it's very violent, as soon as, well, we see they go through the gate, and as soon as 
the natives from the island come in the middle of the night to kidnap Anne off the boat, off the ship. And she's going to be the great sacrifice this year to King Kong because he gets a woman every year on this special day. I don't know if it's his birthday or an anniversary or something, but he gets a special woman. They take her in there, they tie her up, and then, well, he eats her. He eats her all up. And that's <laughs> there's, there's nothing meant by that. He eats her. He comes over and she says, well, I, I guess this is it. And yes, this is it. He, he eats her. And now it's going to be Fay Ray as Anne. And they come and they, the sailors come and they, they rescue her. And there's great violence and there's great, oh, a lot of them are killed. A lot of the natives are killed. King Kong throughout the whole thing, though, throughout the whole movie, throughout the whole story of fighting back is fighting to save Anne. And that's so obvious to me, and it's very moving. King Kong has fallen in love with Anne, and he wants to save her, and he doesn't understand why they won't let him just live with her and and do his job, which is to take care of her. And he'll fight all the other beasts just to do that. And then once they rescue her... Well, he comes charging out, too, and he pounds through the gate. And, well, a lot of things go off, and he just destroys. Well, he kills a lot of the natives. He kills a lot of the sailors. And then one of the sailors that throws uh, a bomb, a big gas bomb, right at him, and this knocks him out. And the head of the whole thing, you know, the head of the whole production company that was doing this, says, starts screaming, that's it, boys. Come on. We're millionaires. I'll split it with all of you. Yes, we'll take King Kong back to New York. Why, as quick as you know it, he's going to be up on Broadway. There's going to be a sign that says, Come see King Kong on Broadway. And you know what? That's what happens. They get him onto Broadway, and Anne is engaged to the man who was producing this, and time has gone by, and here we are. We're coming to the opening night on Broadway for King Kong. A lot of times, a lot of stars and a lot of crazy situations had their own shows on Broadway, and he sees Anne and her fiancé being photographed by all the fellows with the... And every time the flashbulbs go off, King Kong thinks they're hurting Anne. This is somehow hurting Anne. And he breaks the chains and escapes from the stage and grabs and goes off to look for Anne and grabs out of her apartment. And it's it gets very dramatic. Of course, you know, he goes to the top of the Empire State Building with Anne. And then they agree. The producers all agree. Let's call the Air Force at the time and these biplanes with machine guns on them. Remember, this is made in 1933, so this is... This takes place in American culture in 1933, and the biplanes start to come, and King Kong saves Anne's life. He saves Anne's life by putting her on a safe place on the, on the pedestal there, and then the planes start to shoot him down. And he knocks one plane down, but then they shoot him with so many bullets, it really, it's He's going to die from these. And then he gives Anne one last look and then falls off 
to his death from the top of the Empire State Building, and it causes one of the great last lines in all American movie-making where one of the cops walks up to, I think it was Mr. Denholm, the producer of the whole thing, and they're looking at King Kong, who's dead, who's on the sidewalk there, and the, 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 the policeman says, well, the airplane's got him, and the producer, in a very wise moment, turns to him and says, no, it wasn't the airplanes. And then he says this, this famous line, he says, "'Twas beauty killed the beast.'" And you know what? That's a good last line or a great last line from a movie that's been that dramatic. "'Twas beauty killed the beast." But you know what? It's actually true, and that's what makes this a magic movie moment for me, that King Kong loved Anne, and he tried to save her every chance he got, and he really risked everything he had to save her every time she was in trouble. And it ultimately, even in a way that you and I might say, well, if he just knew he didn't have to do that, but he didn't know. And he was risking everything to protect her. And it cost him his life at the top of the Empire State Building, hit by so many bullets that he just, he was going to fall off to his death. But also, that magic movie moment through the whole movie, that level of commitment, that level of affection, that level of loyalty, and that level of love was all said in that one last look he gives her just before he falls off the building to his death. And so you know what? I will buy that anytime. I'm glad all the other folks who were in those other new movies, those King Kongs, and if there's another one made, if there's a third one made, I'm going to do everything I can to be in that one. In fact, I'm going to try to be King Kong in that one. It's a new type of King Kong. We're just going with a slightly chubby bald man. Now, true, it's not an ape. But we're going to go this way. In any case, I love the King Kong from 1930 1933, and Bruce Cabot and Faye Ray and a great cast of so many others made a movie to me that had a great magic movie moment throughout the whole thing, and especially at the end. He really cared about her, and he was going to do everything he could to protect her, including, well what cost him his life, and that's why the producer says at the end, no, and it's true, he was right when he said, no, it wasn't the airplanes, Twas beauty killed the beast. And that's the way a magic movie moment should always feel. And I'll tell you something, I needed and got a magic movie moment this past weekend because... One of my good friends, who was the big producer and writer of Law and Order for so many years, for 10 years, Michael Chernichin and his wife, Janice Diamond, who's a great award-winning writer, and my wife, Eileen Kahn, who's a great, also award-winning writer. I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. She's really good. And they decided Michael's and my birthdays were so close they're both in October, they decided, that is, my wife and Janice decided, that we'd all go out to dinner Saturday night at a really fancy restaurant, a really well-known, fancy, high-tone, glamorous restaurant. 
and a really elegant restaurant. And that's fine with me and Michael for a very important reason. We're married. We're not going to say no to anything like this. We're not going to say, gee, I'd, I'd really rather not. But we went out to this restaurant, and it's it's wonderful there. It's it's. I know I, I've t- told stories, and you you have stories too about restaurants you've gone to. This is one of the fanciest hotels in all of Beverly Hills and Bel Air, and they have such a great restaurant. This is a hotel where all the stars and all the husbands and wives and politicians have always come to for years, and it's been redesigned now. And well, we went there, and we got a nice table. They got a nice table for us. It was quiet, which is a huge thing for me. I don't want to have to shout to people to be heard or say, what's that? What did you say? When they say something, it was quiet enough and it was, well, as elegant as we could want it. But remember something. You know this anyway, that even the best meals you have, the word best is in quotes. Sometimes, as Colonel Jeff was saying to me, people like spending a lot of money. They just enjoy spending a lot of money. They enjoy feeling, hey, how do you like that? We're going out now, and we're spending a lot of money, and that just feels good. And that's fine if you like that. I'm not like that, and I'm guessing most of you folks aren't like that either. It doesn't mean anything to me, but sometimes people like that. And, well, we were sitting there, and we had a meal that took a long time, This is one of those times, by the way, when you didn't want a meal to take a long time. It didn't have to be a two-hour meal, but all right. And we had a ton of food, including, well, we have more rolls that just came out of the oven. Would you like some more? Sure, fine. Here's some more fresh-baked rolls. Fine. And here are the hard baguettes. Fine. We'll take those, too. And uh, here, we just made some fresh French fries. Would you like these? Yes. Here, here's another bowl of the fresh French fries. Fine. So whatever you eat, I'm telling you, it was... And you know what? At the end of the whole meal, everything, and they knew it was for our birthdays, and they brought us... We didn't want any dessert, but they brought us... Not a cake. They brought us a special dish that they said, this is on the house, this is for free, and it was six or seven fresh... Everything was fresh. Fresh chocolate chip cookies. And that's fine. I know you're thinking, well, that sounds good. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. And then they had a couple of candies underneath them. It's fine. And at the end of the whole meal, you were pretty stuffed. And then I'm telling you, when they they brought that check, it was it was not a little money. It was a lot of money. Now... We've all, you and I, had a chance to spend money. I've told before stories that you probably know about of, well, sometimes you get to go out with the kids. My wife and I will take the kids out, and we, we'd we go to a, well, a rib rib joint we used to like around here that closed up. and uh, But we like that, and sometimes my wife and I would have a drink before dinner, and the kids would have Cokes before dinner. But now, when you when you talk about that, even in a rib joint, you know, the price on that at the end, and this is without dessert, the price on that would be 110 or or $120 for the four of us. Now, that's that's a lot of money. This dinner on the weekend, this birthday dinner I just went to that I'm telling you about was a lot more. It was more than twice as much. It was more than three times as much. And I'm not cheap, but when we paid for it, okay, we just split it up. We didn't even... 
you know, uh, make a thing about it. We just said, well, well, let's just split it up. We'll put two credit cards down there and cut it in half. It was a lot of dough. And the waiter would say, would you like some of the baguettes to take with you to take home? And I, I said something like, I'd like some of this furniture to take home. I'll tell you that for what we just paid. But, you know, he didn't hear that or everyone says something like that. So he just said, what's that? I beg your pardon? Oh, nothing at all. No, we're we're fine. We don't need any more bread. And, folks, this story is about what do you really want for your birthday? What's the best meal you could have on your birthday? And my wife and I drove over with our friends, and they drove us over, and they drove us home. And it was just late enough to be tired. It wasn't late at all, really. It was only 9.30 or 10. But it was just enough to feel, oh, that's been enough. You know what? Good night. Love you. We, we love to see you. Thank you. Happy birthday. And they went home, and we went inside. And the best part of that night, the best birthday part, the best food we could have, once you get home, as you know, and thank God the kids were fine. We made them some macaroni and cheese before we left, and they were watching a little TV, and that's fine. And it gave me a chance to, well, you take all the goofy clothes off that you're wearing, and you brush your teeth and wash your face, wash everything up, get everything all scrubbed up, put on your pajamas, get into bed, turn on, there was still some college football on, and you know what? That was a great birthday present right there. Being able to exhale. We're no longer in that other place and with the baguettes and just exhale and say, I'd rather have this bottle of cold water and that football game and my feet snuggled up under these covers in these pajamas and say to the fellas, to, to our sons, hey, come on in this bed here. You know what? Just just snuggle up in the bed here for a second. Let's just watch a little of this football together. And my wife went downstairs to do some emailing, and we just sat there for not long, about 20 minutes or so. But that 20 minutes, folks, that was the birthday present. And the best meal I had on that birthday was the next day, Sunday, when we did the same thing. It's Sunday, so we could watch some football. And you know what? We watched some football, and we used everything in the refrigerator that wasn't eaten. That's great food. I said to the kids, do we have any chips here and some salt? Said, oh, yeah, Dad. And we put towels all over ourselves. We were all in the same big bed, and we were watching football. And I would go into the refrigerator, take everything that was left over there. Here's a big hunk of cheese that's left over. Do you cut it up? No, you don't cut it up. You just take a bite of it and pass it. And you know what? That was great food. Was it fabulous food? No. But it is every bit as good as what you had the night before. I'm glad they had that fancy restaurant. I'm glad everyone works there. I'm glad my wife and Janice knew that, hey, let's do this for the boys and we'll go out there. I knew they were going to like it, and they loved it, and they had fine times there, and that's what's important, as long as, as long as they liked it. But I'm telling you, and I'll bet you already know this, the best meal you can have on your birthday is the next day when you wash up, you shower up, put some clean pajamas on, get back into the bed, and when you get hungry, when you're ready, you just have a bottle of Coke and everything in that refrigerator that's left over. 
And that is some great birthday food. And remember, it's the old things that really count to be the best. You already know that, and so do I. It's why we're already friends on the show here. And why we already know, as you know, Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that is as true as that old food watching a football game. Enjoy yourselves with that food, and we'll see you here next time.